You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome into the final inspection show. Here's a secret. I am not Steve Zaki. I am Jeff Orlowski. We're going to bring in Steve Zaki here in one second. Due to the rain delay at Wrigley Field, the on-deck show is no more. Today, we give you an extra hour uh, back to our normal uh, schedule of 12 to 2 for the final inspection racing show here on 105.7 FM. The fan, without further ado... Let's bring in the Z-Man here on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Steve, how are you? I'm doing really, really well, considering with the weather and whatnot. But I, I want to give a little taste of Brewer talk here. And, uh, you, you, you know, you mentioned uh, in the sports flash about Willie Peralta moving to the bullpen. It's one of those moves that, you know, you look, like, you, you look at it and it makes so much sense now because with Peralta – you know, he'd get a start, he'd work through three, four innings, and then it seems like he would have his issues in the fifth, sixth, you know, inning. And and he looked so impressive yesterday. And uh, as a long relief guy, or if he goes into a closer role, or who knows what else in the next year or two, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, kind of NASCAR news, to dovetail that in, in the NASCAR news, I, you know, there's a there's some schedule talk, and one of the moves, I guess you could say, is kind of like that. It makes a lot of sense, and that's with the 2018 schedule changes. Uh, w- one of the uh, moves they're thinking of making is is moving the Las Vegas race to, which would be the traditionally the Chicagoland start race start that would be the start of the kickoff to the playoffs. But but the the last race before the playoffs which in the past has been Richmond, there, there's talk that it's going to be the, the Brickyard 400 race, which makes a lot of sense because you have uh, – now, of course, you, you and I always like Richmond. It's one of our favorite tracks, but it, it, it's definitely a race that I think – and I think, Jeff, you'll agree that it can stand by itself just because it, it's such a good race. But with the Brickyard, which, let's be honest, hasn't created the best racing – uh, in the past few years, but making it the, the last race to get in the playoffs kind of gives it a little more sizzle, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, uh, uh, Richmond is definitely my favorite track to watch. I think the action is just, it, it's nonstop, and it doesn't matter if it's front of the field, middle of the field, or back of the field. It's it's excitement, and uh, 
And so I would be happy if that got moved into uh, into the playoffs. My only thing with moving Las Vegas to week one of the playoffs is, you know, so you bump Chicago back into the regular season. So you're just, re- you know, you're replacing a 1.5-mile cookie cutter with another one. What, what, what's right. your take on that there, Steve? Well, you know, you just wonder is it seems like Las Las Vegas is the hip place to be. And, you know, Brian France has this, has this fascination of wanting to align himself with either the NBA or the NFL, it seems like. And with the talk of uh, oh, the Oakland Raiders moving to Las Vegas 2020, it just seems like they're trying to add a little more panache to that race and to make sure it's higher up, on, you know, in in the sports, uh, you know, on the sports calendar for them, it kind of gives it a little more panache, so to speak. And you just wonder, is if uh, you know, eh, Chicagoland? Let's be honest, you know, it's a great track in that, beautiful sight lines. But the past few years, the crowds haven't been there as strong as they were, and uh, the racing hasn't been the best. So I just think that. Las Vegas is kind of like the new flavor of the day for NASCAR. Yeah, I agree with you. The The racing at Chicago hasn't been the most entertaining the last few years. I just, I wish that instead of the playoffs being so mile and a half he- heavy, that they would either throw a road course in there or, you know, just, just switch it up and not be, you know, like I said, so weighted down on, on the mile and a half. Uh, which is, you know, the main reason why I think Richmond fits in so well. But I will miss Richmond as a cutoff race because as a three-quarter mile track, you know, it, it's not Bristol, but pretty much, you know, a, a lot of a lot of stuff could happen and, and guys could fall on bad luck and really, really hurt their chase stand or your playoff standings coming out of Richmond. And uh, that's, you know, was one of the reasons I thought it brought a lot of excitement besides the racing being so great totally agree and it's just it's kind of frustrating but you know well we'll we'll see what what las vegas can bring you know like i said they they, it's the new flavor of the day in the sports world you know i wouldn't surprise me if uh there's an nba team there in the next few years and it's the place to be kind of you know and nascar wants wants to be part of that party yeah yeah i agree uh, let's move over to the truck race. Did you see the score of the uh, Cavalier-Celtics game yesterday, Steve? I missed it. It was 130 to 86. Okay? So not very competitive. And then when you look at the standings that came in from Charlotte last night in the truck race, nine out of the top ten drivers were all racing Toyotas. Obviously, Kyle Busch took the lead or, you know, got the win. Johnny Sauter finished second in a Chevrolet. Three through ten are all in Toyotas. That, that's quite a feat for them. Well, and Toyota is the, is the last manufacturer in the truck series that has put an emphasis on that series. Yeah. And uh, they've been using it as a theater series and whatnot, and, and it, it's kind of a catch-22. We don't like seeing Kyle Busch race in that series because 
it, it, you almost feel like you want to turn it off. And last night was one of those nights. And, and but he's, you know, it's his team that's supplying a truck to Christopher Bell, who's one of my favorite up-and-coming drivers, and one of the reasons why I like to watch the truck series. And uh, it's kind of a, it, it, it's just very frustrating, you know. So. When I, when I saw the truck race was on last night, I'm like, oh, good. And then I saw Kyle Busch in it, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, our nightmares came true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not only did he win stage one, stage two, he also gets the race win as well. Uh, like you mentioned with Christopher Bell, he goes down a, uh, he goes down a lap on lap three, uh, had lost a, uh, a rear tire and uh didn't hit anything he kept it off the wall did a great job saving it but uh he he stayed a lap down for about 50 laps 55 laps until he finally got back on the lead lap and he charged all the way back up to uh to score a third place finish that was very impressive yeah he's looked uh very very good not now he is in great equipment but uh you got to give him credit he, you know he's he's as they say a wheel man and he, like I said, he's one of the reasons why you want to watch the truck race, because he is a up-and-coming driver. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if he's getting, uh, I'm sure he is getting a bunch of tips from Kyle Busch as well, but I, I like the way he, he races. He's aggressive. He's he's up on the wheel. He's not scared to, to pass you high, pass you low. He'll go wherever you're not to get around you, and it's it's very exciting watching him wheel around that track. He's just another driver from the USAC series, which, you know, is, you know, when you're, when you're racing midget race cars and sprint cars and that, it, it bodes very well uh, to the next series, given that you have a chance to, and, and this is one of my pet peeves, is these kids that get in these driver development programs, but they only have, you know, a half dozen, 12, you know, plus races to prove themselves because, not everybody is on the same learning curve, and you know one of the one of them is uh, you know you look at drivers like uh, Brian Clawson is one excellent driver who really you know a lot of people didn't think he got a fair shake with Chip Ganassi, and there's Bobby Santos out there, and there's a few others uh, that just you know you wish when drivers like a Christopher Bell, some of these others. You wish they don't take the first deal that comes to them, but, you know, someone like Kyle Larson in that, you know, before 2008, these guys would get multiple options where they could go, and they could weigh different options and whatnot. But nowadays, you know, and sadly, some of these kids might only get one option, and they're kind of, you know, okay, well, I got to take this deal. It's the only one that's out there. and that's the, That was the deal with uh, Kyle Larson. You know, yeah. here's a kid for sure. You know, uh, uh, can't miss. Uh, uh, you know, kid coming up, and and he he only got the one. Chip Ganassi's deal was the only deal that he got, and what he didn't have to bring money to. Yeah, and that's the sad state of auto racing today, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. It, you know, and it's tough if you put yourself in the position of these kids coming up through ARCA or USAC or whatever, and. They get offered a shot in the truck series or in the Xfinity series, and 
you know, it's definitely hard to turn down, even if you know that you're going in there with subpar equipment. And, right. you know, you're not racing Kyle Busch for, for the win. You're not racing, you know, Christopher Bell and the guys with the big money teams. You know, even though you're in the truck series, you're probably racing for about 20th. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard for these kids to make a name for themselves when, when you're constantly back in in 20th position, but if that's, you know, if finishing 20th, if you have a 25th place truck and you finish 20th, you should be celebrated. And a lot of these guys don't, don't get a lot of the recognition that they deserve. Yeah. Uh, switching topics here, uh, in case uh, fans are wondering about uh, Indianapolis 500 qualifying, it is raining down there, but they're expecting it to taper off this afternoon. And the real window that they're looking at, of course, is is between our. I guess what our time would be three and five Central Time, Milwaukee time, because that's when uh, the it goes from ESPN three to uh, ABC, and that's probably might be the window, and actually might work out for them in which qualifying might start around that time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if they're able to get qualifying in today. But as of now, it looks like. Uh, they should be able to, at least that's the latest news I heard from uh, a couple of people down in Indianapolis. Now, that could be wishful thinking too, but um, it'll be interesting to see who can get the poll because every day this week, it's been a different person on top of the speed chart. So there's there's some talk of sandbagging and whatnot, and and you know we'll, we'll we talk. I spoke with Tony Dezino. Later uh, in today's broadcast and show, and yeah, we still think that Team Penske is the favorite, but it'll be interesting to see what happens later today down in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's exciting when you get a bunch of different names on top. Uh, you know, we just talked about it earlier with Kyle Busch and how boring it is when every time he enters a truck truck race, you pretty much know he's going to win. He's going to win all the stages, win the race. So it's nice when, especially for the biggest race, uh, the Indy 500, to see just a cycle of names on top of the practices and everything like that. It should make for one heck of a show. Yeah, and those uh, wondering where the on-deck show is, of course, the Cubs-Brewer game is rained out today. And, uh, of course, we all know it's the fault of the Chicago Cubs when they refurbished Wrigley Field and not did not put a retractable roof on it like uh, – the Milwaukee Brewers baseball club uh, team did. Is that correct, <laughs> Jeff? Did they get that right? <laughs> yeah, they did not put the roof on the uh, friendly confines. And, uh, you know, obviously being a Cubs fan, I will admit that Miller Park is a lot nicer than Wrigley Field, but I still love Wrigley. <laughs> <laughs> so you get, an extra, you get an extra hour of the final inspection show. And uh, for those wondering, I am on my way down to Indianapolis uh, for a get-together tonight at the Indianapolis Motor Museum, and I'm very thankful to my friends at the museum uh, for the invitation to go to a gala with uh, A.J. Foyt being the guest of honor tonight. Yeah, that should be a great event. That That's awesome. A.J. Foyt yeah, never disappoints, right? Yeah, this is true. And for those... Uh, are down in the Indianapolis area this month or even throughout the summer, make sure you get down to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum uh, where they have an awesome display 
featuring the, the cars of A.J. Foyt. And it's not only the cars he drove in at Indianapolis, but including a couple of his stock cars that he drove. The, the car he drove to the Daytona 500 win in 1972 for the Wood Brothers is down there, including uh, a couple of sprint cars he's driven in the past. And uh, it's the championship dirt car, which many fans of the Milwaukee Mile will remember that he put on the pole for the Tony Bettenhausen 200 1965. That will be down there. That, of course, was at the, the Harry Miller Club Vintage IndyCar uh, meet a couple of years ago, owned by Dan Davis, of uh, who owned a Brumos Porsche down in Jacksonville, Florida. A uh, great supporter of uh, auto racing. And uh, also down there is the Porsche 962. AJ drove the victory in the 24 hours of Daytona in the 1980s. So a real eclectic group. And, of course, guys like AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, and those guys, they drove everything back in the 60s and 70s. And this display certainly uh, personifies uh, that lifestyle he led in auto racing. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Have a great time down there. Now, we only got about a minute or so before we got to go to break, Steve. One question I want to ask you. We got the all-star race today for NASCAR. First time that they're using two different sets of tires. You get one set of the softer, quote-unquote, softer tire that should increase speed, uh, but uh, but the, the wear-off is a lot faster. And if you start the uh, the final segment on those tires – with with the softer tires, you have to start behind everybody who's got the normal tires on. What what's your quick take on this, Steve? It'll be interesting to see. You know, guys like you know, Martin Truex has been very very strong at Charlotte, and then you can never count out somebody like Jimmy Johnson or Kevin Harvick, or and then there's also Kyle Busch. But you know, the Joe Gibbs Racing is you know the Toyota's starting to come around as we can see, but. It seems like Martin Truex is the Toyota so far this year. But I don't know. Just Jimmy Johnson is just seems like whenever there's a wrinkle introduced into uh, any type of format in auto racing or NASCAR racing, seems like Jack Canales is one of the guys that can catch on the quickest. So kind of leaning towards Jimmy Johnson. All right. If uh, if I ask you to put your crew uh, crew chief hat on, would you wait until the last segment to use the softer tires, or would you try to use yeah. it earlier so you start uh, so you don't lose spots in the final segment? No, soft tires. I'm changing all four in the final. In the final. All right. Both four tires stop going with the soft tires. Then you can put that car anywhere you want. All right. Sounds good, one Steve. Thing, one thing about Charlotte, if if, if if the car is handling right, you can in. You, you can make moves. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, they were running three different lines uh, last night in the truck, so hopefully we get the same kind of action uh, with the cup cars tonight. Hey, take a while. Take away Kyle Busch, and that was a good truck race last night. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. <laughs> All right, Steve, well, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Have a good time down in Indy. Thank you, sir. We're looking forward to next week. All right, sounds good. There's uh, Steve Zaki on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When you're ready to get into or back into the housing market, look no further than Great Midwest Bank. Visit greatmidwestbank.com to take the next step towards your new home.
This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you check out their website at greatlakesdragway.com, and it should be a fun weekend to get out there. And then, plus, don't forget, next week, Memorial Day weekend, the Vintage Drags. Uh, it's something, uh, it is something to behold. If you like slingshot dragsters, jet dragsters, the old-style funny cars, it is the place to be, so make sure you get out to Great Lakes Dragway. Also, like your thank our friends at the Milwaukee Auto, the Milwaukee Napa Auto Care Centers. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. It's, uh, make sure to check them out too. And joining us right off the bat, because we're short on time, in case you're wondering, it is a one-hour show because of the pregame show. Uh, it is Dennis Michelson from racetalkradio.com. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Mr. Z-Man, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, better than Eric Amarola. But you oh, know what? Yeah. He did not oh. die. He had a big accident, and we're going to talk more about that in just a second. Kind of lost in all of this, that we all this fallout from the race on Saturday night uh, is the 7th the annual Go Bowling 400 at Kansas Speedway. Martin Truex actually won the race. And that kind of got lost in the mix. Martin Truex uh, over Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick. And that's the, it's Toyota getting back in victory lane. Uh, but it was, I mean, Martin Truex, he led 104 of the 267 laps. He's the guy. I guess the other one's up there. Ryan Blaney was looking good uh, most of the night. And but the, every everyone is talking about the big accident and the fallout from the big accident. Now there's two ways you can go on this, Dennis. One is actually the accident itself, with uh, Joey Logano uh, losing a brake rotor, I believe, hitting Danica, Danica hitting the wall, and then Eric Amarola, who apparently cut a tire or something, slid into the whole ma- mess. And you know what? When, you know when you're driving 200 miles an hour, once in a while a driver's gonna get hurt. Once in a while, we've been on this banging this drum all year long, and just some people just have a hard time put, grasping that uh, in the media. Isn't that true, Dennis? Yeah, it absolutely is. But if you look at this wreck, um, the two that took a harder hit, in my opinion, um, were actually Joey Logano and Danica Patrick, and then of course there was the big fireball from both of those cars. Thankfully, all the safety equipment did its job and mm-hmm. put the fire out. Then Almirola comes rolling into it, and I'm sure he was in every kind of fluid imaginable on the sure. track at that point and couldn't do anything but hang on. And and it was very similar to uh, that injury we got in IndyCar a few years ago where uh, the car went up in the air at Mid-Ohio and came down rather abruptly and end up with a back injury. Um, you know, it's that's a similar thing that happened here. And, and then, of course, what happened next was the massive amounts of overreaction mm-hmm. to the crash. Because the minute I'm watching this crash, the first thing that I see 
is two things that I always look for. I saw the window net down on the 43 car, and I saw Almirola moving his head. And it wasn't that the head was moving forward and then not just slumping over the wheel. He was able to move his head and made an effort to try to, to get himself out of the car and then realize, uh-oh, this is a lot of pain. I'm staying put. So this was never, never, ever, ever, ever a life-threatening injury. There was no way that anything bad was happening to Eric Almirola with the exception of, I've got a, a compressed vertebra in the back that is very, very painful. The safety crews on the scene, and this was the first real test of this new safety group that NASCAR's got traveling to every race, is it almost looked like there was an argument or, or little, sort of a disagreement or a misunderstanding of who was going to take charge. So you had about 47,000 people standing around. You, you almost had as many people standing around the car as we saw at the, uh, the truck race the night before. And it, it seemed like nobody wanted to take charge of what they were going to end up doing. And, of course, they ended up sawing the, the roof off the car. And once they decided what they were going to do, they got done pretty darn quick. But the, the overreaction to this really amazed me. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I get really upset when somebody gets hurt. And I get even more upset when somebody gets killed. But there was never, ever, ever a life-threatening injury possible from this. The, the window net came down instantly. He was conscious through the whole thing. He was fine. He's just got a back issue. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, what did you think of all the flack that Danica took after her interview where, you know, you had Logano come out first and, you know, he looks like the world is falling and he feels so bad and whether you believe it or not, but, you know, oh, thoughts and prayers with Eric. And then Danica comes out and, you know, gives her take. And the last thing in her interview instead of the first was, you know, gee, I, I hope Eric's okay. And she said exactly what you just said, Dennis, where, you know, his car is the least banged up. He probably took the lightest hit out of the three of us. Hopefully everything's okay. But then she just got destroyed on social media because, you know, she didn't act like, you know, like it was it was doom, doom and gloom. What's your take on all that? Overreaction by Joey Logano. And Danica Patrick was right on the money with, with things. She was asked a question, folks, and she answered that question fully. And then she immediately, at the end of the interview, after she was done answering the questions that were asked of her, she then gave sort of the, the typical shout-out to Eric Almirola, you know, hopeful as well, blah, blah. But this was never life-threatening. She probably saw the window net down because she, the way she walked around the track, uh, heading back towards Logano's car, she actually saw that the window net was down and saw that he was moving. Yeah. Logano didn't see that. All Logano saw was a big pile of people congregating around the 43 car. So they both had different ways of, of that they experienced this issue. And then the number one reason, fans are idiots. 
They just want to do anything <laughs> in their power to complain about something that Danica Patrick did. And it's for some reason worse from the female fans that don't want this lady driving in NASCAR. I just don't get the hatred for Danica Patrick. I've never understood this. Yeah, she's an average driver. She's the 20th best driver on any given week. On a good day, she's 20th best. Who cares? Somebody's got to finish 20th. They can't all win the race. But the hatred for Danica Patrick has always amazed me. Yet, if you've got a female racer who can't even get out of her own way, but is nice to the fans, like Jennifer Jo Cobb in the Truck Series, she's the greatest thing in the world. I have never understood that. And I've never understood the destroying of Danica Patrick on a weekly basis. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's kind of funny because uh, when you look at NASCAR, a lot of the bad boys were some of the biggest fan favorites. You look at the Intimidator, uh, you know, and but somehow Danica got thrown into the whole Kyle Busch kind of uh, bag instead of instead of the Intimidator kind of bag. Well, I guess because she doesn't act all cutesy all the time and is, is, you know, soft and fuzzy like kittens. She's just a racer who speaks her mind. You oh, know, we can't just, have that. I, we can't. Yeah, have we that. can't have that. And it's, you know, some of it is the fact that she has marketed herself, you know, from the standpoint of off the track stuff. But hey, you do what you can to get sponsorship in this business. And to make a living in this business. Nobody had a hard time when Carl Edwards was taking off his shirt for a picture. But if Danica Patrick poses in a bikini years ago, that's going to be held against her forever. There's such a double standard and there's still sexism in this stupid sport. Well, I mean, it, she, was running the, she was running the best race of the year. And, and for her to, you know, something like that happening, I mean, yeah, she should be. We, I mean, I mean, the three of us in here, we appreciate her showing raw honesty. Absolutely. You know, and she's talking to Jamie Little. Jamie Little has a lot of respect in the, in the pit and paddock area. And, you know, it's just, it was so frustrating for the people to go, oh, it's like she didn't even care about Amber this And that. I mean, it's, it's just frustrating. And then you wonder why. Certain drivers are nothing more than, 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 you know, puppets, you know, just well, spewing well, out the same it. crap, you know. Yeah, this is this is exactly it. We we are all upset that these guys were all cookie cutters. Why does Jimmy Johnson ever say anything interesting? All he does is say the same stuff. Why does this guy say that same stuff? But the minute somebody speaks their mind, oh, he's being an idiot. Or she's being all conceited. Why did she go to Victory Lane when Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won last week at Talladega? All of this crap. It, it, it does not matter what Danica Patrick does. She will be criticized for it yep. each and every week. Well, because it's an hour show today, uh, Dennis and Lori will be on the podcast after the show and make sure you listen to them. Uh, we'll be tweeting out the information too. So, and uh, I guess you guys are going to be talking more um, ab- about this. Well, also, and then also the 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 All Star race that's happening this 
this weekend, which is, I don't know, Jeff, I didn't mention this to you, but I mentioned this before the show with Dennis. You know, has the All-Star race, what's your feeling on it? I I watch it just because, you know, with a million dollars on the line, you see risks that but you it, wouldn't has normally it lost see. a little bit of its luster, you absolutely. think? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things I threw out is why not throw out some playoff points for it? Well, they seem to be handing them out left and right. You know that's what I, mean? what I was going to say. They're giving them giving them away like crazy now. So I don't, you know, it it doesn't make any sense. But I, yes, they, I will watch it. They do give out one playoff point every time the driver washes his hands after going to the bathroom. Now. <laughs> good good hygiene is rewarded. Yeah, but is one type of porta potty more? Worth more than than the other because obviously the Coca Cola Six Hundred is the most important race of the season well, according I do, to NASCAR. I do like you know with the World Six Hundred going to be with four segments and they're equal segments. Did I read that right? It is equal yeah, segments, 100, right? Hundred laps, and each. I don't I, I don't like I don't like it how they're weighted now. You know I think it should be if they're if you're going to do the three. Because I guess they were going to be like NHL with the periods, um, you know. I mean, I I like the even. You know, if if you're running a 500 laps at Martinsville, I should not have picked that one because I'm off a division, and you divide it into three. This that's is a, 167 and a third. See, that's that Illinois education right there talking, <laughs> and the college educated. Uh, all right, um, yeah. So, I mean, I like that. I I don't like the how they have it now, but who 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 am I? Are you happy that they weighted the 600 more than any other race of the season? No, no, it's stupid. It, it's stupid. <laughs> it's it, this is an endurance race, and so you know. What would been what would have been wrong with doing 100, 100, and two hundred as your segments? And I don't know. It, it spreads it out. It's a long race, Dennis. You got to. It's different. But here's the thing: is the the last segment was was not supposed. It was supposed to be real racing. It's not supposed to be impacted by these things. And the thing that I don't like about it more than anything else. If they made the decision two weeks before the race, right? Yep, absolutely. Was not this is changing the rules as you go along? Are they going to all of a sudden have five at the Bristol night race so they can add even more drama? I don't like changing the rules. Yeah, I understand that. I will give you that point, but I mean, I do like it it being weighted a little more. I mean, it's, it is a longer race. I mean, uh, IndyCar used to do that. USAC Racing in the past used to do that. Back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, if you won the Indy 500, you got 1,000 points. But if you won at Milwaukee here for the 150-mile race, you only got 300 points. But if you won the 200-mile in August, you got 400 points. It was The points were weighted by the length of the race. So, and now IndyCar, everybody has a problem well, with them having Well, and the reason... Points. And CART did that because, in CART's opinion, they wanted to kind of spread it out. They kind of wanted to go be like NASCAR when they when they shrunk the series back in '72, where all the races are equal, where you don't have races worth more than that. And I, I but they're not though. They're not equal. Loudon is not Bristol. Loudon is not Darlington. And I mean, I understand that, but I kind of like. 
you know, we you can go round and round on this, but I mean, I, I kind of like I don't mind the 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 six hundred having the four segments. But I just think if you're going to weight it differently for the bigger races of the year, Daytona, you know, the six hundred, uh, Brickyard, whatever. It should have been done before the season. Well, and for, Formula One and IndyCar going double points in the last race. Okay, but you know, so it, I mean, it's known. Yeah. It's known. Right. It's right. not. It's not two weeks away. And oh, hey, guess what, guys? You know, this one counts for right. more than any other. So yeah, it, 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 it makes NASCAR look silly. I thought for a minute the XFL came back from the dead. You know, <laughs> where they used to change the rules every week. You know, it just. I don't know. It to me, it's just it really shows desperation when you're changing the rules for the longest race of the season. What you're saying is you don't think the racing itself will be any good without the gimmicks, and you know that's a shame because actually I thought the racing this past week at Kansas was pretty good. Now I am looking for help from a GoFundMe account. Because I've got an idea for an invention that's going to make NASCAR racing great at the mile-and-a-half and two-mile tracks. And that is, it's going to be this giant drone that will go around the track, you know, based on programming, you know, GPS coordinates in. So it won't affect the racing any, but it will produce turbulence out in front of the leader so he can't ever have clean air. And that's, you know, I, I only need $4.2 million, and uh, I'm figuring with all the NASCAR fans tuning in, if they all just gave a dollar, that's gonna be that a heck, I, could have, that, I could have my budget to, to build my monstrosity. Yeah, it's going to have uh, to be a big drone. <laughs> my air diffuser drone that will fly out in front of the cars, and uh, it just... It, it's all atmospheric thermodynamics, folks. It can be done, but once we eliminate clean air, uh, we'll be we'll be fine. And the only re- the only problem we've got now is the big drone's got to pass, you know, like the slow guys uh, about twenty times a, a race, and we haven't worked out the logistics of that yet. But but no, you know, if you don't think your racing is good enough, then you come up with gimmicks. Well, stay tuned for Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe off air on your phone, computer. I mean, this is 2017. Podcasting is the future. Don't tell the people on radio that. No, but seriously, I mean, you can listen to us, our show. If you missed last week's show or you missed an interview, you can go to uh, what's our website? 1057fmthefan.com. And uh, there's the on demand and podcast link. You click. Click on demand, and you'll get each and every segment of the uh, of the final inspection. Yeah, you can even go back in in our history, go back and find out where we're wrong. You know, you can use that and tweet us, whatever. You can tweet me at Steve Zotke. You can tweet Jeff Orlowski. There's no W. No W. He's Jeff the, underscore Orlowski. Yeah, the W got lost somewhere. And of course, Dennis Michelson is at Race Talk Radio. Correct. That is correct. On Twitter, so feel free to communicate with us. Speak your onions, as a DJ used to say here many, many, many years ago. And uh, we love hearing from all our fans. And, uh, Dennis, I got one more thing left to say about this this weekend. Yes, sir. Go Brewers. You're listening to the uh, Final Inspection Show. Go brought Cubs. to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Centers on the web at MILWCAR.com. And coming up next, we're going to be hearing from... 
David Hobbs. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke here with a Formula One analyst from NBC Sports, David Hobbs. And David, the Spanish Grand Prix last week, uh, Lewis Hamilton won the race with Mercedes, of course. And it was a diverse podium with uh, Sebastian Vettel and the Ferrari and Daniel Ricciardo in the Red Bull, but a couple weeks ago we were mentioning it's going to be real important for the number two drivers to remain strong, and that didn't happen last week, did it? Well, it didn't happen because both number two drivers ran ran into each other at, uh, well, in fact, all three number two drivers, uh, Max Verstappen, Kimi Raikkonen, and Valtteri Bottas all ran into each other at turn one, lap one, and put Raikkonen and Verstappen out right there on the spot. Um, a lot of people blamed uh, Valtteri Bottas for that, but I couldn't see it was his fault at all. He made a better start. He got in front of him. He was on the inside going into turn one, couldn't have been further over to the right-hand side of the road. And the other two Herberts tried to go around the outside and unfortunately came together and they both broke their suspension. So uh, that put Raikkonen out. Uh, so then it looked like it was going to be even better for Mercedes from the uh, constructor's point of view. And then um, later on in the race, Valtteri Bottas lost an engine. So um, it was down to one car each. And those two drivers, you know, Bottas and um, Raikkonen, are going to play a very important part in the championship for the constructor's points, which, of course, as far as the constructors are concerned, is the important one because that's where the dosh is. I mean, that's where the real money is and uh, not... The drivers' championship, obviously, for the drivers, is, that championship is very important, but not so much for the constructors. So, it was it was a great, it was a very good race. Strategy played a big part. Um, Vettel was looked quicker than the Mercedes. It was certainly got away quicker, and he pulled out about a two-second lead, and then it levelled off at two seconds. Now, whether he was holding the gap at two seconds, or whether Hamilton got into his stride and could hold the gap. Not quite sure, uh, but I think that the tyre strategy of the Mercedes team worked out better in the end because at the end of the race, Hamilton had the softer tyre compound on, which proved over the weekend to be slightly the quicker of the two, and, uh, and it gave them a win. But, of course, Vettel still leads the championship by now six points going into Monaco. Uh, which I think, too, will be a real barn burn of a race. Of course, we won't see much overtaking, but I think we're going to see a massively high-speed procession through the streets of Monaco because these cars, don't forget, are nearly a foot wider each than they were before. And obviously, the gap between the walls of Monaco is still pretty tight. And so when they get down to the hairpins, like the uh, old Lowe's hairpin, which is now the Fairmont hairpin, um, there ain't going to be much room to spare. And, um, of course, they got a lot more grip with the rubber. Um, and so I fully expect the speed, qualifying speed, to be round about 102, 103 miles an hour, which, you know, when you consider the track they're on, it's pretty, pretty damn quick. 
It's going to be interesting, especially that start. It may harken back to uh, when Derek Daly passed about six cars, and I think 82 in his Tyrrell by passing over the top of the cars at the beginning of the race. So with the white tires, that certainly could play into. One thing with the Spanish Grand Prix I thought was impressive was uh, Force India. And this is a team that... Uh, it's kind of has a little bit of turmoil, but you got Sergio Perez and uh, Esteban Ocon, you know, fourth and fifth, and then they're right there behind uh, the the big three, I guess you could call them, with Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Uh, what, what's what's going on with Force India? Is this something with their CEO or the head with the financial issues, I guess, uh, and maybe some legal issues with some of the powers to be there? Well, we don't really know what's going on with Force India from a money point of view. I don't know how to keep going as it is. Um, they are one of the more underfunded teams, and of course their boss, Vijay Malia, is about to be incarcerated in India for about a thousand years. Um, their other main sponsor, the chap that owns a safari company, already is in the slammer. Um, so the long-term prognostication is not great, although I did hear a rumour that Bernie Eccleston might buy the team not quite sure why he would do that at 86 years old. But considering they do run on a shoestring, their performances this year have been nothing short of extraordinary. Both cars have won points in every race so far, in all five races. Now, Ocon had his best result, fifth. Every other race, he's got one point. But nevertheless, I mean, for that team, uh, it is quite extraordinary. They're doing better than Williams. Um, they're right behind, they're doing better than Toro Rosso. Uh, they're right behind Red Bull. Um, I think Red Bull will pull away from them, but nevertheless, their performance is, is pretty outstanding. And obviously, Sergio Perez will be hoping that if the whole thing does take a huge nosedive, that he will be rescued by somebody like Ferrari. You know, you keep hearing about him maybe going to Ferrari. Um, I can't see Ferrari keeping Raikkonen on for another year, um, I mean, in another year's time, he'll be 38 anyway, and he's already the oldest driver out there. So I'm looking for Perez to get a really good drive somewhere, just a case of where. And then, of course, the other one that was good to see getting points is the Sauber team, which seems like to be hanging on by their fingernails. And, and ex explain to the fans how important it is for a team like Sauber to score points. Well... It's, it's about $40 million reason is why. Um, last year, if you remember, Manor had scored one point, and so they were assured of the last place $40 million bucks from, from the Formula One management team. And at, right near the end of the season, Sauber got one point and got two points, and so dislodged them, so, and so Manor disappeared because they, they suddenly lost that $40 million. And so for Sauber, that, that uh, 40 million is absolutely critical. And if they can hang on, because at the moment, the only team with no points is the mighty, or the once mighty McLaren Honda, which to me is still an absolute source of complete amazement and astonishment that they are quite as bad as they've been. I mean, it just seems to me to be unbelievable that Honda um, are so far behind on this engine, considering that Honda, you know, makes some of the finest engines in the world. They make the best outboard boat engines. They make the best motorbike <laughs> engines. I mean, their streetcar engines are unsurpassed in terms of specific output, fuel consumption, and longevity. And yet, 
boy, they've come unstuck with this new formula. So, but I mean, yeah, for Sal by those points that uh, Pascal Verlein got, and I thought it was a great day for him too because he's been very, very castigated this year for bad driving and making bad decisions and, and coming back too soon after his injury. And well, plus he got uh, dinged for a penalty, and he was able to overcome that too. Yeah, he did. He got he started pretty well dead last, and. Uh, and, and, and he took a long. He put a, put took a chance on the tyres, and then it paid off. And uh, so, I was glad for him, really. And then, of course, you know, Monaco coming up. We got Jensen Button will be in the McLaren, and Fernando Alonso will be in Indianapolis, and it's become a huge story. And I, it really puts into perspective when he did the IndyCar test, and they had over two million hits on the live feed and I think there's a, a lot of Americans that are maybe just focused on NASCAR IndyCar race and don't really appreciate how big of a marketplace Formula One is in their fan base. Can, uh, how much how much interest do you think that's going to expand for Indianapolis having Alonso there? Well I think you know as we know Formula One is a bit of a niche audience over here in America although I am pleased to say that our coverage of the Spanish Grand Prix uh, was the highest-rated Spanish Grand Prix uh, on TV in America since 1995. So that's a good move. And, of course, it was a great race. So if we had a lot of people watching it, you know, hopefully they're going to pass the word on, hey, this Formula One racing is really worth it. I think that he will draw a large amount of people to the Indy 500. You know, you're talking maybe 5% and 5% of 300,000 is a lot of people. Uh, I think he will draw people in to, to watch the race. It will improve their TV ratings, especially in Europe. I mean, their TV ratings in Europe will rocket, I would think, with with Alonso there. So, and uh, I, you know, I wouldn't bet against him winning. Uh, I don't think he will, but he certainly could. He's been running well this week. It's only a very short practice, you know, with just one week before the first qualifying. Um, but he's looking pretty strong, and uh, I think it'll, I think it's good for motorsports all around. Um, will Jensen do any good at Monaco? He's a winner there. He's a world champion. Um, so. I think he'll do the best he can in the car. I'm not sure whether he'll be absolutely up to snuff fitness-wise, uh, although those guys keep themselves pretty fit. And who's going to win in Monaco next week? Boy, really, really good question. Um, I suspect it'll be either Vettel or Hamilton. Um, Valtteri Bottas could pull it off. Um, he hasn't had much luck there. And, of course, Max Verstappen, we've seen him very, very quick there. The Red Bull's lack of power uh, won't play against him anything like as much as it has done before. The Red Bull is good on tight circuits, and you can't get any tighter than Monaco. And if it should rain a bit or be a little bit damp, then I would put Red Bull right in there with the Mercedes and the Ferrari, and uh, if it's a bit damp, I could see our Max Verstappen. He'll either slam it into the wall or he could win the race. So I think it's anyone's. I think, you know, if you're a betting man, I think the odds are going to be pretty uh, short on all those guys. Thank you, David. That was David Hobbs with NBC Sports. And make sure you check into the Monaco Grand Prix Memorial Day weekend on Sunday. On what channel? NBCSN, the race, the uh, pre-race broadcast starts at 7 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, we go over to NBC. And we'll be on NBC for the rest of the show, the half-hour pre-race, the race, and a half-hour post-race. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Milwaukee, start your engines.
It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Lori Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure you get out there this weekend, and with along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. Welcome to the show, Tony. Z-Man, good to be back, man. It's, uh, it's going well. It's good to catch up with you. Oh, it's the, my favorite time of the year. And I only saw you. I was out there last weekend, and I only saw you a brief time. And that's when they had we had a, a David Letterman sighting. It was a pretty mm-hmm. interesting uh, press conference with, with, some st- uh, with a program that uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan is doing uh, to support troops that are uh, back uh, – um, back as civilians and that is a pretty neat program. Um, but I mean, this is, this is getting pretty interesting. Of course we have Fred Alonzo in Indianapolis. And, uh, I mean, in practice now we're recording this on a Wednesday. So if anything happens after Wednesday, we apologize, but I mean, I was watching practice, I think it was today and he looked pretty good out there. Didn't he? He's looking racy. I mean, the last two days, the first two days of the week, or Tuesday, Wednesday, I guess, after he kind of got back acclimated on Monday, uh, he was getting dicey. I mean, he made an interesting three-wide move between Elio Castro and Evis and Juan Pablo Montoya. I was like, okay, he's up for it. Then he was part of the uh, Andretti train where they kind of do this mini race of five or six drivers uh, as part of a pack. So he's starting to get comfortable in that. He's talked a lot about how much more comfortable he feels as he gets uh, as he gets a little more uh, embedded within the IndyCar culture. Uh, he's been the story so far. There's been some extra international reporters out to cover it. And every time you go down to the pit lane, it's like, okay, there's the other 32, and then there's this swarm around the orange, <laughs> the orange pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, just, there's, there's no shortage of people at any point that have been in the McLaren, Honda, Andretti uh, pit, uh, pit area. And um, there's some talk of uh, Honda sandbagging this year. And we've heard this back and forth, you know, with different teams. It's been going on as long as there's been racing. But it should be – do you think uh, once qualifying happens this weekend that we're going to get a clear-cut advantage between either Chevrolet or Honda? Uh, I hope so. Um, but I also think that they're closer than, than they let on. I think, you know, Honda – Honda has more bullets in the gun. They have, you know, 18 cars to Chevrolet's 15. And of those 18, I would say 12 to 13 are, are legitimate, you know, contenders. And you can get more of them in the fast nine. Whereas the Chevy, they only have 15. And they really only have maybe seven or eight that, that could do the same thing. So I don't think there's going to be that big of a, a divide. You know, it's like it could be a 5-4 thing. It could be a 6-3 thing. If it's like a 7-2 or 8-1 whitewash, that, that'd be a surprise to me for, for either side. Mm-hmm. I don't think everyone's really convinced that Chevrolet's shown their full hand either. The Carpenter teams looked really impressive this week. They haven't had much to, much to adjust on from last year because they were really solid here last year with, with Joseph Newgarden and J.R. Hildebrand has stepped right up and, you know, stepped right back in. 
Uh, him and Ed Carpenter have both been, been really solid for the Chevy camp. As far as the Honda guys, I mean, you know, there was kind of a joke even their, their PR rep said today, or said earlier this week, rather, that uh, here's some sandbags that we, we've heard. And so they, they made kind of they made light of it and they actually put a photo up of it, you know, to carry into their office. So, you know, it's good to see fun come back in, in that regard because the, the gamesmanship between the two is kind of ramping up. And when you don't really have much in the way of too much technical innovation, it's, it's good that the two manufacturers are poking fun at each other to say, hey, we're, we're, this, we're this good or we're better. And, you know, that's, that's what it's about, right? I mean, if it's all spec, what's the point? So um, it's good to see that. You know, and it's it's interesting because Penske has been so dominant, and but you think, well, they should be dominant. I mean, they were dominant in the, the Indy Grand Prix, but I just get a feeling that that's not good. Indy is just a different animal, and overall, of course, Penske's dominated over the last thirty years and that. But it's going to be interesting to see how that front row shakes down. I mean, are we going to see a, a Penske sweep? Like, you know, if you're thinking that could be possible, but I don't know. I just, I just don't see that happening. How about you? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and if you look at since the Delara DW12 chassis got introduced a few years ago in 2012, Indy has not been a Penske dominant year with the exception of the first year of Aero Kit two years ago in 2015 when Montoya and Power battled for the win. Pagano was probably the fastest car all month. I uh, had a late mechanical issue that dropped him back, and Castro Nevis is consistently solid. Um, they haven't been the dominant team since this car has been introduced. It's primarily been Andretti in both Chevy and Honda configuration. And Ganassi, too, has not been as strong either, which it, it's so weird that you come to a race weekend where those two established teams are not the favorite, but but they really haven't been. And, and that's been something that's, that's abnormal, uh, and it's something that you wonder if will change because – with, with having five cars, Penske's got a better shot now than they ever have. But uh, how realistic it is, it remains to be seen. I, you know, I think there's we going back to gamesmanship again. They haven't shown their full hands, and I think that's kind of one of the things they want to do. They want to be better than last year. Last year they were pretty anonymous for most of the month, and I, I don't think Rogers keen on having a repeat of that. Of course, it's Indianapolis, and it, we see a lot of people you don't see the rest of the year. Who are some of the people you've seen so far? Uh... This week, I see Uncle Bo- Uncle Bobby's made an appearance already. Uncle Bobby made the rounds in the media center earlier this week. Our good friend Steve Shunk, our mutual friend, is uh, usually in line from him. There's been the um, we haven't seen Parnelli yet, but with there being 50 years since the uh, since the turbine and the whoosh, uh, that's been another story. Um, you always just generally see a lot of people. I think I think the big surprise is just kind of watching what all the one-off entries do and kind of what they add to the field. Uh, because those are the guys that, from an actual on-track standpoint, you, you don't see with the exception of this race. So um, Alonzo's the top story there, of course, but, um, you know, the Oriole Servias, Pippa Manns, the Sage Caroms of the world. Sage Caroms looked actually really impressive this week for, for Dry and Reinbold. Uh, those are the guys that you're kind of looking for besides the uh, the legends of the past. I will say, too, it's been good having Alan Sir Jr. back. Um, big year for him. He's a... Uh, this is 25 years since the 92 race, so there's, that's going to be celebrated next week. And he's working as a, a driver coach and kind of manager for Gabby Chavez, uh, rookie, or sorry, not rookie, past uh, second or third year driver over at Harding Racing. So that's a cool deal for him to see him back in the paddock in a, in a team capacity because that's a role he hasn't really had. That's, that's an interesting point because we're going to steal 
uh, um, a segment of another podcast we we both mutually like, like that's dinner with racers, and we're gonna I'm gonna have you uh, ask a question of Gabby who will be coming on uh, after you in the next segment. So think about that, and we'll, we'll get a, a, a question for Gabby. Uh, from Tony Dezino, who we're speaking with from NBCSports.com. Speaking of which, what, what what's the latest uh, going on at the website there? Um, it's a, it's a big month. I mean, one of the one of the nice exciting parts is you get to flush out stories that you don't really have time for otherwise. I mean, you know, some of the features we're working on. I had a Mark Miles Q and A earlier this week, kind of a state of IndyCar, the Euro trip, uh, twenty eighteen progress in terms of the schedule and the twenty eighteen new uh, common kit rollout. Uh, had some interviews, Alexander Rossi, Penske features, uh, Andretti six cars, and, and some other deeper dives into the new teams that are running this year, Yunkos Racing, Harding, a couple others, and the uh, the Road to Indy guys. There's a lot of Mazda Road to Indy graduates that are in this year's field, which is really cool because there's like, you know, we talk a lot about IndyCar is so tied to its history and its past, and sometimes runs the risk of not looking too much at its future, but there's a lot of young guys recent within the last two, three years, graduates kind of look at them and kind of how they fit into the overall race. Very interesting. And I guess we should probably pick somebody for the poll. Who is your pick? I, uh, it's wide open. Go with I know. Yeah, it's tough, but I'm going to go with Ed Carpenter. Um, Carpenter oh, okay. really solid both in, in no toe and in toe spec this week. And I like where he's at. I like what he's doing. Um, of course, if this airs Saturday and he hasn't got the poll yet, then uh, we'll <laughs> wait and see. Um, but but that's kind of the, the beauty and curse of it, right? I mean, Ed's, uh, it's been a, it's been a refreshed Ed, and, and since he's had a couple years where he's really struggled in the oval races, it, it'd be nice to see him, or for that matter, Jr. In, in that position. I think those are two very good picks. And your question for Gabby? For Gabby, I'm going to say, well, it's funny because he and I talked earlier this week, so he's probably had enough of my question. But what I what I <laughs> What I would ask him is, he's been a driver on a single-car team before. How is this single-car team different where that was an established team, whereas this is a chance to really build a team from scratch that is making its debut? Because now you have the experience, but the team doesn't uh, as a collective unit. So how, is, how are those different uh, when he came in as a rookie versus now as a more experienced shoe? Well, and it's interesting because uh, I want to bring this up. We're coming up on a break here, but I talked to somebody on that team, and there is a possibility of them doing some further racing uh, this year. Is it, did, have you heard that? I've heard the same. I think that I would be very surprised if this is if this is the only race of the year for him. I would not be surprised to see him at Texas and or Pocono. Um, they tested at Texas uh, a few weeks ago, and what's cool is, you know, we don't really get the in-season one-offs anymore or in-season additions. You know, it's like, you, you know, you don't have your year-old Lois showing up. So uh, now now we have that potentially with this. So right. it's good to see new teams kind of dip their dip their feet in and go from there. So we'll see how it goes. That's good to know because those are the exact two races I was told too. So that's good to know. Talking to Tony Dezino, NBCSports.com. Make sure to check out all his stuff. Uh, and, and from the whole group there, the whole team, it's a great team on the motors section and the top tab there. Uh, it's good stuff. And, Tony, thanks a lot. We'll see you this weekend. Sounds good. Look forward to it, man. All right. Thank you. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show on The Fan. Now, Steve and Tony did tease the interview with uh, G- Gabby Chavez. However, due to uh, technical difficulties, we were unable to get that interview this week. We will bring that to you in the future. Stay with the Final Inspection. Up next, we're going to get Sparky's Take. 
You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Another Sparky Steak. I'm Steve Sparky. Pfeiffer here on Final Inspection. Let's talk about NASCAR doing NASCAR-like things. Like, oh, I don't know, changing things up during the course of the season like they are doing with the Coca-Cola 600 by adding another stage, a fourth stage. What does this mean? This means now that this race becomes more important than pretty much every other race by having four stages, which means uh, more of a chance to earn points for the playoffs. It is absolutely ridiculous that we're doing this in the middle of the year. And you know what makes it even more of a dumb move? The fact that even Dale Earnhardt Jr. knows this is stupid. Even he earlier in the week criticized the fact that NASCAR should not have done this during the season. This should have been announced in January or February. Then when they asked Dale Earnhardt Jr. about the Southern 500, should that maybe be run in four stages? Could that happen? He said, be ready, could Nobody knows what's going on. Look, I'm all for changing NASCAR. I'm all for adding drama. I'm all for trying to get more butts in seats, more people in front of the TV screens. I get all of that. I'm fine with it. But can we please stop changing rules? This has been going on in NASCAR forever. And at some point, it needs to stop. It's not a good look for the sport. If you want to make quote-unquote major races worth more points and have additional stages in certain races or whatever else, fine. That I have no problem with. But lay out which races those are going to be at the beginning of the year. Let's not change the game in the course of the season. Just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, But again, it's typical NASCAR. Uh, And at some point, at some point, maybe it'll change. And there's no reason for the 600 to be as long as it is to begin with. And we've had that conversation on this show for years. It's already too long. And now you have a fourth stage. Four 100-lap stages is what we're going to have. Will it add drama? Sure. Will it get people to tune in longer? Let's see. Let's see if somebody's going to stick with that entire race because you have four stages. Because now each stage is a big deal, as we've learned throughout the course of this season. It is a big deal. No question. I'm just baffled that NASCAR can't seem to figure out changing things in the middle of the season. It's not a good idea, but I'm sure you, Steve Zaki, uh, probably agree with me that this is stupid to be doing it in the middle of the year. That'll do it for Sparky's take here on final inspection. Welcome back to 105.7 FM, the fan, the final inspection. It's time for your NASCAR fix of the week. Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe from racetalkradio.com. And Lori, the big all-star racing weekend for NASCAR. This is such a great race most years. Oh, it's, it's always fun. And the one thing that always confuses me is... This is the race where there's the fan vote, and I always end up missing something somehow because they always have, correct me if I'm wrong, the drivers all come out on the stage with cannons and drums. And isn't this the race that Elliot Sadler did the swan dive into the crowd and everything? Oh, I think you're right. Star race. Yeah. So, anyway, is that going to go on this year? Are they going to do that again? You know, the rules change so often in this thing. 
no, there's no pit crew challenge anymore. You know, I just, I get, start getting confused as to what I'm even watching. Back in the day when Humpy Wheeler was in charge, they did such a much better job, even though the rules changed every year. There was more pomp and circumstance, as it should be for this event. Because that's all it is anyway. It's just a fun event. And it's, I never minded the rule changes. And even some abrupt rule changes and weird stuff like spinning a wheel or rolling dice or whatever they wanted to do. I always looked forward to that because Humpy always came up with some fun ideas. I know. Remember the year he had the that machine where the, the drivers could <laughs> curse into one end and it would clean it and the clean words would come out the other end? He's had so many weird things. Oh, I, I for- know. I forgot it's, it's all most of them. But, and you know, what gets me, too, is I can't believe it's it's almost the end of May. That's part yes. of my problem as well. Oh, God. It is weird. The The month of May has flown by. I'm, I'm like a week and a half behind. I'm like a month behind. <laughs> it's And this weather weirdness hasn't helped me either, uh, trying oh, to yeah. figure out which month it is. But, you know... This is amazing to believe, but it's 25 years ago this weekend that the very first night All-Star Race was held. They called it One Hot Night, and nobody will ever forget the way that thing ended when the winner of the race doesn't go to victory lane. He goes to the hospital. You kind of upset a stage for this. Has the All-Star Race lost... Almost all of its buzz. Not to me. I think it has as much buzz as it ever has um, for it being the all-star race. You know, it's it's always just been it is what it is type thing. But I, I there's something magical about the fact that it's at Charlotte. I I think they brought back the street deal, the speed street thing. I think that's still going on. But I don't know. There's just something. It's like a relaxed chaos because there's no points involved. Drivers will basically total three cars in a night if they have to. It's just like I, I don't mean in a night, but I think who who had a massive wreck? I think it was uh, Hamlin. I don't know how many cars they're going to use up this weekend, but it's just one of these deals where it's it's all or nothing. And even all can be nothing because there's no points. It's all for it's all for glory. And maybe you might learn something for next week, but I just think it's a fabulous event. I think the the stress of the non-points thing is just something you just throw away and you don't have to worry about. It's all just racing. Just a few years ago though, they still had the Wednesday night pit crew challenge at the yeah. arena in Charlotte. And mm-hmm. for some weird reason, that just made the whole week experience even more over the top. Then on that Thursday night, they had like the better half dash. and Yeah. You know, so then, I was thinking of the better half dash today. Are they not even doing it this year? I don't know if they're doing it until the fall now. I just okay. think they've changed a lot of stuff around. Yeah. But it just seems to me, I mean, you always had Humpy Wheeler making his prediction of who is going to win, and that was a big deal. 
and the wizard. Yeah, they just had so much of this crazy over the top stuff, and I, I think they're missing out by not having that with the current. But the fact, thing is, there's only one person that could do all that, and that's Humpy Wheeler, and he's not there. But can so, you even, can you even tell me who? is promoting that track right now. I mean, we know Eddie Gossage in Texas. I don't I couldn't even tell you who is in that position as Charlotte I nowadays. It was Bruton Smith's kid, wasn't it? Well I guess it is, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is Marcus Smith yeah. that's that's in charge. But you never see him. You never hear him. You know, that's I just a good thing. <laughs> I don't know. I just back He's in the not day be Wheeler, I'm sorry. No, you're right. You're right, and maybe that's what they're missing is is having Humpy because they are. I got so excited for this event, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not as excited this year again as I was. I mean, it's still, I think, the best race to use if you're going to introduce a new person to NASCAR. Yeah, so can, can you tell me that their, their qualifying wasn't exciting with these cars coming down pit road at like 180 oh. miles an hour? My goodness, that sent shivers down my spine, and I was waiting for somebody to crash big time. That was because, exciting stuff. Oh, it's thrilling to watch these guys coming in at breakneck speeds. And, you know, and what it tells you right away is that I'm so glad that we have a pit road speed during races. Could you imagine if these guys hauled the mail like that on the pit road each and every race, we'd be killing pit crew guys on a weekly basis. Yeah, like the good old days. Yeah. Everybody it... keeps uh, swooning over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But yeah. the all-star race weekend will be again a lot of fun. And, you know, you got your open, you got your big race, and uh, nothing counts towards points. Although I'm kind of thinking that with how they're changing everything else up, wouldn't it be kind of cool if they made this a way that you could win your way into the chase too? Oh, God, please don't throw another fly in the ointment. Let's just keep it as it is. We don't need, you know, what color socks. Anyone with Paisley socks, you instantly get into the playoffs. Dennis Michelson, not the chase, the playoffs. I'm in, I'm eligible. I'm wearing my Paisley, Paisley socks, socks. I'm wearing my you mean, Paisley socks. You've gotten socks. to the point you're wearing Paisley socks now. Paisley socks, yes. That's just disgusting. And making sure my belt matches my shoes at all times. That's great. Yeah. So your belt's full of holes like your Crocs then? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> well, folks, it is that time of the day <laughs> that we stop complaining about what I'm wearing and start complaining about other things. We're ah, yes. It is that magical time when we blow up some stills around here. Oh, yes. Lori Monroe, tell the good folks of Milwaukee and around the world how they can have their very own still blown up as well. Hello, Milwaukee and around the world. If something is bothering you in the world of NASCAR or racing or on the street you live, 
you can send us a message through our website, racetalkradio.com. There's a form there you can fill out and we'll instantly see what's bothering you in your world and we will blow up its still just for you. There'll be a loud explosion and you will feel cleansed. Racetalkradio.com. There's a form there. Very cleansed. It's a it's mm-hmm. it's a moving moment. It's a very special oh, yeah. moment every week here on the big show. And uh, Laurie Monroe, do you have a still that needs a blowing? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Other than my footwear and my <laughs> socks and no. So the other night, I'm just sort of on the internet. I'm on Facebook. Not, there's nothing on TV or anything Wednesday night. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. Not even a repeat of anything you'd even want to watch. Yes. So I'm on Facebook. And I saw a live feed for the catwalk for a cause. I thought, oh, God, this is awesome. Yeah. They got like a Facebook live thing. So I thought this will be fun to watch. I miss that. Oh, well, you can actually see a rerun. They've It's still posted. You know how they save the live, uh, yeah. the live video. Yeah. So anyway, I'm watching and. You know, they've got a mishmash of models actually modeling clothes and stuff as well. And then the odd driver's wife or the driver would come out. And (laughs) that's great. So anyway, I'm watching, trying to identify some of these people. Because, you know, you're looking at these models and you think, well, do I know this person? No, I guess it's a real model. So models walk off this person appears at the end of the runway and starts walking towards the camera i'm thinking oh my god i know who this is i felt so embarrassed for ryan newman Uh oh because they had him first of all he just looks like a giant head on a body (laughs) they had him wearing like white pants and one of these like a shirt like stripes on a shirt and this blazer. He looked like a cross between a mime and the skipper from Gilligan's Island. (laughs) Oh no. And to top it off, his face was so red. Oh boy. It, it was just beet red. You could tell he was just absolutely embarrassed, but he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart. It was, it was so funny. It was just so damn funny. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was nuts, but I just don't know why. They take these poor drivers and they and they put all these fancy clothes on them. But but Ryan Newman, all you're used to seeing him in is like camo or a fire suit. Oh, yeah. So this was just so bizarre. I doubt he's ever wore a blazer. You know, you've seen him at the banquet and stuff. He'll wear something nice, but he still never looks comfortable. He, he but looks this was sorts. just this. I swear he looked like he should have been doing some dusting at Liberace's house. Wonderful. It, it was just priceless. But the look on his face and he's glancing around the audience and just absolutely as sheepish as anything. It was outstanding. But you just got to, you got to blow up this event for doing this to poor Ryan Newman. <laughs> well, he was doing it for the children. Well, for the children. But I'll <laughs> post a picture because I, I went back and I took a screen capture of this. Oh, this was just on bloody believable yeah yeah ryan newman looks out of place in in <gasps> most clothes <laughs> but wearing like pants and shoes and this striped shirt and a blazer he does not wear these things 
They should have given him Paisley socks. Would have been <laughs> then you'd be able to you'd be able to see the socks right through his Crocs. Yeah, there you go. Oh uh, my goodness, that's a I very... was embarrassed for him. That's all that, I can say. That's an out. That might be the best still blowing of the year. Oh, it, it'll be even better if you actually go. I'll have to look up the video again and jot down what time he comes out. Because it's just it's just a sight to see. I couldn't believe my eyes. Could not believe my eyes. Definitely got to so watch that. Definitely got to watch that. I'm then. hundreds of miles away, and I was embarrassed for him. Well, and he was probably very embarrassed and probably still is catching a lot of flack for that. I hope so. Well, my still blowing isn't nearly as good. Well, but then let's just blow mine up then. But I'm blowing up NASCAR. Oh. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. These are the NASCAR officials. Whoever's running the sport, I'm blowing them up. Because this year, the truck series has been just a shadow of its old self. Even at some of the short tracks, like Martinsville, where they should be putting on the greatest show on earth, the show has been, eh, most weeks. The truck series used to be the best race of the weekend. And I'm not so sure if it's the mix of drivers, if it's the equipment, if it's the rule package. I don't know why, but to me this year, the truck series has not been as good, and it's sort of been on the decline the last few years. Um, so I'm blowing up whoever has screwed up my truck series. Well, I, I need to argue this a little bit because, quite frankly, we've only seen about three truck races this year. You're, when you they take work. a month yes. off between each race, yes. you don't have any sense of continuity between yeah. the races. This will pick up. As the season goes on, as we get okay. some back-to-back races, they'll run a road course and you'll just be all over it again. It'll be great. So, okay. but, but I do agree that it's just nothing is the same as it was. You know, the truck series isn't the same. We need more short tracks for all of these series. It's just they've strung everything out so much. But stringing out the actual events with like three weeks or a month in between is ridiculous it's out of sight out of mind they're killing it yeah see that's maybe my biggest problem because in the past they'd race at daytona and then they wouldn't race again yeah for about five weeks but once they came back then they kept racing yeah and yeah. and the way they did it this year has been really bad because they race then they're off a month and then they race and then they're off a month it's like uh, guys, I can't even figure out who the heck's running in this series because well, that you're makes not it running. difficult too to to sort yeah. of follow your drivers. But can you imagine the frustration on the team's part as well? Oh my that, goodness, that can't be good. You it's just sort of awful. lose all sense of what's going on. Yeah, it's got to be awful. So uh, for this week, though, it's no contest. Um, really? Yes, it's no contest at all because your still is the best still of the year. So, the year? Yes, it's the best still of the year so okay, far. Okay, well, wait till you see the picture. It'll just be even oh, better. Be even well, better. thank you. Let's blow her up. So, General Mattis, please send in the heavy bombs, please. Ooh. Thank you very yeah. much. That was like the mother of all still-blowing bombs. That was well done. That's the Moazba. 
Absolutely. Well, before we wrap things up tonight, it is time to look at the NASCAR news headlines. And NASCAR has said that they are going to have a nice long investigation over the Eric Almirola accident. Are they making too much of this now, too? Um, on what grounds? What's what is there to investigate? Didn't we sort of see how this all happened? Or well, they want to investigate the the integrity of the 43 car, or what do they want to do? Well, they want to check everything of why he ended up with a back injury. And well, duh! Yeah, it's you're racing at 200 miles an hour and you have a wreck. Be, <laughs> exactly. Shouldn't we sort of be happy that yeah. all you had was a back injury? I think the safety gear did a pretty doggone good job. But no, we had an injury. And so we have to do all this investigating. I get it. You know, this is the new NASCAR. They're trying to be proactive on stuff. But I don't care how safe you make these race cars. You're going to see drivers get hurt. Yeah. Rewind what happened by about 15 years and we'll have a different discussion. Yeah, very true. Also this week, NASCAR announcing four segments for the coke 600 coming up what do you think about four segments yeah i think that's kind of a good deal i think uh you know i'm all for the segment racing anyway i think the stages have added a lot the coke 600 is an incredibly long race as it should be survival of the fittest i know we've got to sit there with uh, toothpicks in our eyes to stay awake and whatnot but uh i think throwing another segment in there i think that'll I think that'll add something to that race. I, I truly do. Also in the NASCAR news, and this headline should be more like the NASCAR version of water is wet. The big Joyce <laughs> Julius numbers are in and leading the way for the most media hits among drivers is Dale Earnhardt Jr. Gee, that wasn't much of a surprise. I could have saved them all of the millions of dollars they spend on Joyce Julius analysis and told you, duh. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It was the craziest thing. They they put out this whole big story this week about (laughs) Dale Jr. leads in media hits. I got news for you. Next year, he won't even be racing and he'll still lead the way in media hits. The interesting thing, though, was Joey Logano was in second place, and he was only 14% less than Junior. I would have guessed that that gap would have been a little larger. And the other big news, four of the drivers that made it up on the the top 10 list are not qualified for the All-Star race. Chase Elliott, Danica Patrick, Ryan Blaney, and Clint Boyer. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, but they've all had... You know, Boyer has had an incredible breakout year coming yes. over to, to Stuart Haas. Um, did you say Chase Elliott? Chase Elliott, yeah. Yeah, he's certainly a guy everybody's watching, but he's had no uh, no luck this year so yep. far. Did you say, uh, who else Danica, did you say? Danica, Danica Patrick, Patrick and oh. Ryan Blaney. I Well, Blaney I was... has just been out of this world. Blaney yeah, is such been... on the cusp of going to win. Yeah. It's not even funny. But I think that's interesting stuff. Yeah, and I think one of those four drivers will win their way in via the open. I'm 
I'm kind of positive of that. But it yeah. uh, should be yeah. a lot of fun. Well, the All-Star Race Weekend, who is your pick to win the million-dollar prize? I am really leaning towards uh, the Battle of the Kyles, and I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. And I am going to go with you on that Battle of the Kyles because I'm going to take Kyle Bush. Wow. You thought I was going to take Kyle Petty for just a minute. No. <laughs> It is Kyle Bush. He's my pick to click. Thanks for tuning in to the NASCAR segment on the final inspection. 105.7 FM, The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.